the 21st chapter, verses 25 through 36. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth there will be dismay among the nations in their confusion over the roaring of the sea and the surging of the waves. The planets and all the other heavenly bodies will be shaken, causing people to faint from fear and foreboding about what is coming upon the world. Then they will see the human one coming on a cloud with power and great splendor. Now when these things begin to happen, Stand up straight and raise your heads because your redemption is near. Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, you know that God's kingdom is near. I assure you that this generation won't pass away until everything has happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will certainly not pass away. Take care that your hearts aren't dulled by drinking parties and drunkenness and anxiety of day-to-day -day life. Don't let the day fall upon you unexpected like a trap. It will come upon everyone who lives on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert at all times, praying that you are strong enough to escape everything that is about to happen and stand before the human one. This is the word of the Lord. Every year on the first Sunday of Advent, we are given these weird, <laughs> convoluted, sometimes terrifying, end-of-the-world texts. And we're asked to begin Advent preparing for Christmas thinking about these things we call the apocalyptic, the end. Now, the truth is, human beings need very little to prompt us to start worrying about the end of the world. Sometimes it seems like we human beings are hardwired to look at the world with despair and with the belief that surely the world is now too wicked and too messed up to go on much longer. How many of you have heard that in the last week? Yeah? The church and the Christian faith have not always been helpful with this, to tell you the truth. As I said, there is much apocalyptic literature in the pages of Scripture that speak of the end times or the second coming or the returning of Christ or some other language that speaks about gigantic shifts in what we have known and experienced. I think I've said it to you before. That over the history of the church, it's about every 500 years that all of this apocalyptic stuff comes into focus. It happened in the year 500. It happened in the year 1,000. It happened in the year 1,500. And then, of course, it happened in 2,000. And we're still sometimes living with that. What is it about the 500-year cycle? I don't have a clue. I don't know why. But what I do know is that there is always significant change and significant change brings turmoil and it seems to work out that way. In the late 5th century going into the 6th century, there was pressure being brought on civilized Europe, mostly, in this case, Rome, by those barbarian tribes coming south. In 
the year 1096, which is almost 100 years into that change of a millennium, you have the awful stuff of the Crusades that really don't bring about much in the way of good for anybody. In the 16th century, beginning in about 1500, you have the start of our own Reformation. And it lasts for about 100 years. And everybody remembers how foolish people were as they anticipated the change of this past century and they worried about computers failing and all the lights going off and all that stuff. And of course, since then, we've had to put up with all sorts of worry and warfare about the potential of terrorists and so forth. I think it's been in the last two or three years, at least that's what my memory says, that everybody's begun to worry about the ending of the Mayan calendar. And it happens what? January? Or no, December 22? Is that it? 21st. Okay. My sister's birthday. That's terrible. Now, and it won't take but just a few minutes if you want to pull up your smartphone or go on a computer. You can do an internet search and discover that somebody says all the planets are coming into alignment and that means something bad. Or there is a rogue planet zipping toward Earth that nobody's seen yet and it's going to get us. The world's always coming to an end. Because the world is always in a state of flux and change. It's simply the way it is. And I suppose you can debunk these the sky are falling kinds of theories in a couple of ways. The first that I would commend to you is that we can use logic and good science. That's very Presbyterian, by the way. There's nothing wrong with using your mind. That's what God tells us to do. Jesus says, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We Presbyterians have always thought that was true. And so I can tell you, the planets are not coming into some supernatural alignment. The mind calendar does not signify the end of the world. And there's not a rogue planet zipping toward us. I don't know about all the other stuff, but those are the ones I found. Sitting here on a Sunday morning, it's really not science that we're interested in so much. What we're really interested in is good biblical literacy and good solid theology to address these concerns, if you will, about pro projected catastrophes. And so while the Scriptures are filled with all sorts of things about the ending days, I would remind you that our Savior says, no one knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. And so my suspicion is that every projection is always wrong. By definition, if we think it's going to happen, it's probably not right. And if it does... What are you going to do about it? We're going to be ready, right? What else is there to do? So idle speculation gives us nothing. It is foolish and it's often faithless. That someday, in some way, God will complete His kingdom. 
is a certainty. But the methods and the times are best not speculated upon. The season of Advent is most obviously a time when we remember, when we prepare, when we wait for and recall this coming of the Messiah as a baby in Bethlehem. But we must not only think of Advent as preparation to celebrate the Christmas yet to be. The Bible also gives us this sure and certain knowledge that it is God, not fate, that controls this universe. And since God is the one who rules eternity, Advent is also a symbol of our undying hope that in spite of all the evidence to the contrary, God through Jesus Christ holds the future just as He does the present and the past. Just as the world waited for centuries until the time was ripe for that first advent of Christ into the world, so in many ways we ourselves wait. Waiting for either our own end of time with our death or that parousia at the time when all history comes to culmination. We stand between two advents. There is the one that is. There is the one that is yet to be. We live in the kingdom that has started, but the kingdom that is not yet completed. Jesus speaking in the text for today sounds a great deal like many of the other biblical writers. All that material and that symbols. And in many ways, it is a dreadful sounding event. And yet his concern is not primarily with the fear and the turmoil. His concern is really, for those of us who live in the light of the first advent, grateful, hopeful anticipation of whatever the future brings next. Jesus says, when you hear these things, when these things begin to take place, Stand up and raise up your heads for your salvation is drawing near. That's good news. Any way you look at it, that's good news. The real focus of this text is not on fear and dread. The real focus is watchful, hopeful waiting for the culmination of of the kingdom within us. We don't need fear the future. The one who knows and controls the future also holds whatever our destiny is. And so the Advent hope is supposed to be liberating, joy-filled. Noted Christian writes that the great value of the doctrine of the second coming is that it guarantees history's going someplace. It's not just one thing after another. History is going someplace because God is the God of history. Advent, if it reminds us of nothing else, reminds us that God so loved the world that He sent a Son. 
And the God who loved the world enough to send a son has not stopped loving the world yet. Nor ever. Nothing we have done is beyond the redeeming love of this Savior whose birthday we anticipate. We will not be left to our own devices because Jesus has come and He will come again. Advent not only means the wonderful events of the birth of Christ, but it is that grand assurance that this little baby whose birth we celebrate is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Watch and pray, Jesus says, for He is Lord. He was Lord in the beginning. He will be Lord in the end. Even now, He is Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.